Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Forever Broken podcast presented by none other than the Never Broken Guys. I am Derek Thompson, and uh, I'm going to be asking the big questions like, if semen can create life, why can't it power vehicles? Uh, With me, as always, are my fellow host, Gabriel Brew. Hello, everyone. And TJ Davidson. What's up, guys? And today we will be talking with the very specialist of guests to me, my father and fire chief of North Platte Fire, Dennis Thompson. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, however it is you see fit. Well, hey guys, uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be with you. I've, I've been listening to your podcast. You're doing a great job out there. You are making a difference, and uh, that's what we need more of. But, uh, I, I, you know, I guess me, uh, I'm uh, I'm that guy that's, I've lived in North Platte all my life. I've never left here. I've never gone out looking for anything different. I'm kind of a creature of habit. Uh, but in the end, this community has just been great to me uh, and to my family and, and the opportunities have just been uh, overwhelming, uh, more so than I probably deserve. Uh, by no means have I been a been an angelic uh, individual all my life. Um, went through a lot of things and, and we can talk about those, but uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, just what you're doing, you know, we all have a place and we all have something that we can contribute. And when we, when we start doing just that, contributing to, to society in a positive way, you know, that's when we start seeing things happen and, and we start uh, changing, I guess, the culture, if you will, uh, that we're seeing right now. And it's, it's not a very good culture. But uh, you guys, you know, by all means, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for, for your service. Uh, it's indeed uh, an honor for me to, to just be with you. So, um, in a nutshell, that that's me, uh, and we can we can go back to the beginning if you want. Uh, yeah, I so, think. Uh, why don't we just let's start with uh, leadership and kind of talk about that for a minute before we dive into the past? Because I know once we dive into the past, we're going to be able to go pretty deep and, and there's just so much there. So, um, for me, you, you are the fire chief, you know, I've had the pleasure of, you know, not only getting raised by you, but also I got to work for you, um, as a firefighter and an EMT for the last, you know, 10 years. Um, so I, I kind of got the unique opportunity to actually experience a lot more than just parenting, but your leadership and your management style. So to you, what makes a good leader? Well, you know, you just touched on something that I, that I hear an awful lot of. You said you had, you had the, the opportunity to work for me. And, and the one thing I've always said uh, to, to everyone uh, that, that surrounds me and, and makes me look good every day is that no one works for me. We work together. Uh, I think, I think it's those those individuals that take that that uh, supervisory role 
and and all of a sudden it becomes a I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm better than you. Um, I think it really complicates your ability to lead uh, and to and to have people buy into what it is you you want for your whatever it is for for your fire department for the company you work for. Uh, if you get to clouding things up with I'm the all being almighty guy or gal, you, you've just circumvented any chance at, at, at really becoming what you can be as an organization. So I, I do, I give credit every day to those that, that work with me. Uh, they're the ones out there getting dirty. They're the ones out there meeting people uh, on the street and, and uh, just putting on a good face even when it's tough to do. You guys know all about that. Um, but but then I get the accolades for it, and I'm not afraid to tell people it's it's not me. It's you know I'll I'll accept some some praise, but but at the end of the day, it's it's those out in front that are that are out there uh, just making me look amazing, making our our department look amazing, and that's that's what it is. A, a good leader doesn't get caught up in themselves. And sometimes you have to learn that as you go. Uh, there, there's always times we're human, and and certainly as humans, we we like a little bit of a pat on the back once in a while, and we think we've got all the answers. But at the end of the day, um, you, you just have to sit back and, and really humble yourself uh, before all those that you work with and that you serve. Uh, because that's when that's when people deliver. I think the most and the best for you is when they feel like they're a part of it and that their their voice counts. Uh, I've always always listened to those around me. Um, I think I think everybody has something to contribute. At the end of the day, I'll take the hard knocks for it if it goes bad or or if it goes good. I'll I'll own up to it. But but I just think that. Uh, if you're going to have a team that wants to work with you and wants success for you and your organization and them, they need to know that you're listening to them. And that's, that's just how I've always tried to lead. Right. Which is, I think comes a lot from you. You've been in those shoes. I mean, it's not like, I think there's a lot of organizations that you bounce from organization to organization to organization the fire community, at least from my limited experience, isn't really that way. We have kind of a unique nature. It's kind of like the military in that, you know, I rise up through the ranks and then you become the non-commissioned officer and then you become the officer or in charge. And that's kind of what you got to go through. And it's a super fun story to watch and to listen to, honestly, is just that you know, you started from the bottom, the very bottom, and then you worked your way to the top like that terrible rap song. I started from the bottom, now I'm here. You're kind of that guy now, and it's just, it's a cool story, but you wouldn't know how to be a leader of the specific department you're at had you not gotten the chance to go through the ranks and actually learn what you expect from a leader. I mean, if you hadn't gone through it, and been on the department as long as you were, you would be, you would go into it and you wouldn't know what to expect. Especially yeah, I, because every city's different. You know, I, I was fortunate coming up through the right. I left a, I left a job 
a good job, a secure job with with, with a Caterpillar dealer here locally, um, and took took this chance with the fire service. I'd, I'd gotten into the volunteer side of it, spent about five years there, and thought this is something I, I, I really think I'd like. Uh, a lot of a lot of things happening. Never the same thing. It's it's not going to be the same thing day in and day out. Uh, and that was appealing to me. So I took a big chance, but never have I looked back. Um, I had great leaders that I served with and uh, that taught me well and, and put me in a position uh, early on in my career to, to make decisions that, quite frankly, uh, they wouldn't have had to. Uh, that was their, their role, but they allowed me some latitude and gave me that opportunity to, to say what I thought uh, the next move should be, and uh, and through that, just uh, it created a, an atmosphere that I wanted to move up through the ranks. Um, and I was fortunate, quite frankly, in my in my years with the department, I, I moved through them quite pretty fast um, as a firefighter. Uh, then I, I got my paramedic uh, license and and tested and became a lieutenant. Uh, lieutenant to captain, and then a captain to assistant chief, and now chief. And you know, you don't. I don't know that you set out to do those types of things. When I interviewed with for the fire department with the civil service commission here, and and I sat before them and the chief that I served uh, with, uh, he asked me, "What what are your goals uh, with this department?" And I. At the time, just being kind of a smart aleck, I said, I'm going to have your job. And I, I never really believed that. Uh, and here I am. But again, just it, it's just one of those things. It's If, if you're surrounded by the right people, um, you, success is yours. The only way we fail is if we don't try at all. And, and again, it's just been, been exciting. And I think it's important in organizations, military, fire service, we are, we're unique, uh, similar, but unique from anything else out there. In the fire service, it's always been uh, a lot of family uh, tradition uh, coming up and, and serving fathers and sons and grandfathers and so on and so forth. And we're starting to see some of that go away, which I think is a it's a terrible thing because there is so much to be said for that uh, that core tradition that comes from you know who you're getting with family uh, you know the type of person they are and you know what a what an amazing amazing thing that my three sons chose to follow uh, not not in my footsteps so much but into a career of service to others. And it doesn't matter to me what a person's doing. If, if you're willing to serve others, that's that's what it's all about. And that was exciting. Um, certainly, I think there's a lot easier ways to make a living. And, and you know, there's, there's certainly higher paying jobs out there. But you've got to be able to work your way up through the ranks. Because if there's nothing at the end of that, uh, what's what's the what keeps you going if you can't aspire 
to lead your own department that you've been with over the years. And we're starting to see that kind of fade away where that's not, you know, there's a, a lot of thought out there that uh, about nepotism and uh, you, you shouldn't have family serving with family. And, you know, that's, that's just, I don't want to say ignorance, but that's just uneducated folks that don't understand the military or the fire service and what, what it takes to build that, that, that closeness, that brotherhood, and, and to say, I'm willing to put my life in your hands. I trust you that much. I believe in you and, and the training you have that you're going you're gonna to be there for me and, and stand beside me and not bail on me. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a pretty powerful thing. And, and for, for those, and again, no shame, and I'm not talking down, but if you've not served in a position such as that, uh, it's just something that you can't, you really can't describe. You guys know that full well. Yeah, I would, I would be, I would absolutely call it ignorance on their part. Uh, just having, you know, been in the shoes that I've been in, where it was like, you know, I got hired on as the third boy of the fire chief to get hired on. And then they are like, Oh yeah, you're going to, he only got hired on cause he's a son. And I'm like, all right, yeah. listen, listen here, dickhead. You just, yeah. You, you have, have to make your own way. Yeah. You have no you idea. Know, that, like it's to me, it was 10 times harder because the expectations that are presented before you are 10 times higher than they would be. If you're just some stranger, you know, absolutely. there's a, a lot to be said about that. Uh, yep. and, not to backtrack here, but my ADHD uh, survives and lives well. Uh, funny story, you were talking about the uh, being a volunteer thing, and one of my uh, earliest memories, and I think you guys will get a kick out of this, was, uh, and this is just proof that parenting has really changed over the years, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, so where in North Platte, there's a car wash now that stands where this hotel used to stand, uh, and there's a hotel fire. And this is one of my earliest memories. I'm with my dad in the truck, and he gets a page that there's this fire, and they're calling for volunteers. My happy ass was, I don't know, what was I, like maybe four or five or something like that? Maybe. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, I don't know. You were going on twice. <laughs> we, we show up to this fire. He has his fire gear in the back of the truck. I have to sit in the truck. He goes out and fights fire <laughs> with the volunteers. So my stupid ass is just sitting there watching going, oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. There was never any thought that I was going to run away or that somebody was going to kidnap me, anything like that. Uh, but that was just uh, uh, that was one of my earliest memories. It just cracked me up when I was thinking about it. Uh, and then the other thing that happened actually this morning <laughs> So, uh, I remember cause you worked at Caterpillar and you gave mm -hmm. me all those hot wheel, like hot wheel cars and whatnot. And then there's the one with the conveyor belt in the middle of it or whatever that yeah. like that, that. I don't remember what they're called. Tiller, whatever those giant like tillers. Yeah. Uh, I saw one of those driving to drop the kids off at work today. And I had a very, very strong inclination to go ask if I could drive it. Because for whatever reason, ever since you worked there and you gave me those cars, I've always wanted to drive one for absolutely yeah. no reason other than to say I drove one. 
really thought yeah. about getting out and asking the guy. <laughs> like, I really did. I was like, ah, he doesn't look like he's doing anything important. Maybe he'd let me. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I got to go to work. Well, I, I probably shouldn't. I might. I might go ask the guy uh, later. But uh, I don't know. Uh, that being said, yeah, I got my uh, two random things out of the way. Uh, I don't know if Gabe or TJ, I'm sure you guys have some input on what's been said. I really like what you said earlier about um, they don't work for you, they work with you. And then also that if you are surrounded by the right people, then you can go far. I think uh, on the subject of leadership that a lot of people are misconstrued that leadership is not necessarily a position. It's more of a, of a characteristic, you know, like a personal trait that you, that you have. Because you can be a leader on the on the lowest level as long as you are trying to, you know, motivate your uh, your coworkers and, and trying to teach them and, and better them along you know with you learning as well. Absolutely, you know. Here again, back to the military. Any one of us, any anybody that's part of our team, may be the leader. In a split second, depending upon how things go, and so yeah. it it is it is our responsibility to instill in them that that we do trust them, that we do know they're going to make good decisions, because you know, God forbid something goes south, all of a sudden they're that guy that or gal that is the leader and having to make the decisions all of a sudden. So we owe it. Uh, to to one another to empower people and and put them in a position to succeed. Yeah, definitely, I think as a in, being in a leadership position that you should be training everybody to take your job because you never know. Like say you go to a fire and God forbid something happens to you, then it's the next person has to step up and be able to you know take care of the uh, the task at hand and, and yep. be able to do it successfully. Sometimes I think we get, I know, I guess I don't, but I know it's it's out there. So often, uh, bosses, uh, supervisors, whatever you want to call it, I think they're afraid of just that, that somebody's gunning for their position. Well, I hope they are. And I hope I've put somebody in a position that they could take it away from me when the time comes, you know? I've always said, as long as I'm doing my job, I'm doing it well, uh, I'm pretty secure, but power to them if, if they're after my job, because that's the kind of people you want succeeding in uh, and to lead the organization. So, yeah, I, I guess I've never been intimidated by that. If somebody wants my job, it's here, you know. <laughs> they, may, they may think twice after they take it, but uh, like a lot of things in life, they always looks greener on the other side and then all of a sudden you're you're chewing on that grass and it, it ain't quite as green as it looked yeah it's yeah. small unit leadership you know that's something that's instilled in the all of us in the marine corps at least very much yeah. is that you know i have to be ready to man the helm if something happens and that's how i function i just i need that in my life and it that should be how I guess it's something that's more instilled into people that aren't in office jobs, you know. Like TJ said, you know, if something happens, like if we're in a fire and my lieutenant or my captain goes down the fire, 
I have to be able to take the helm in that situation and be able to manage the situation. That's something that you don't have to deal with necessarily if you're working at a, as an accountant at a bank. You know, I don't have to worry about my, I, I mean, I guess I guess the one thing you would have to worry about is like, oh, God, my CEO had a heart attack. And then you're like, eh, not my problem. Because that's what they do. You know, it, it's not these jobs that we're talking about today where, you know, you have actual life and death responsibility and it's just a lot different than most we, other. We've people. watched it for years in organizations of, of every sort that they don't have successional training. They aren't getting people prepared to take these other positions. Yeah. And by the time they figure out that they need to be doing that, it's too late. It's because somebody's had a health issue and they're gone all of a sudden long-term or, or they're gone, they're dead. Uh, that's when reality strikes and shame on who in that, in that instance on you for not, uh, seeing the value in, in preparing each and every person in your organization. Not everybody's going to rise to the occasion, but that's part of the process is, is figuring out who those those folks are that <clears throat> that want to aspire to be something more than what, where they're at right now, and and that, that that's it, and you know not only does it help them, but it helps me as a leader because you start seeing qualities in people, some of the same qualities maybe that you have seen yourself, but you see qualities that, gosh, I wish I had that or looked at it like that. Again, back to you listen to those around you. Don't get so caught up in yourself thinking you got all the answers because you're going to pin yourself into a corner at some point and and it's not going to be a good situation. So, uh, you know, I I come home at night and, you know, the, the one thing that keeps me awake at night to this day, I worry about the folks that I work with. I worry about what they're up against in the night what kind of calls are going on. I've, I've never worried about whether or not they're getting the job done or they're doing it right. I know they are. I know they're giving it everything they got. I know they've got the best training out there. Uh, so I don't worry for a minute that they're, whether or not they're doing the job. I just worry. I don't, I, I want to make sure everybody goes home in the morning. That's, that's the big thing. And we should all look at it that way. Again, I don't care what kind of job you have. That's how you should look at your, your peers. Uh, make sure everybody's happy and that everybody feels somewhat fulfilled in what they're doing and in this season of their life. It may not be there forever. Maybe they're going to find something different. But let's let's take a make it the best we can while we're while we're there. Absolutely. You know, someone coming after your job if they are doing their job well enough to threaten your position, then that's good for you. You know, you bet that's, that's going to make you push yourself even further. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of, you know, competition breeds excellence in, in my it does. opinion. Absolutely. What a good phrase. This is the most TJ's talked out of all <laughs> the episodes, and we're only 23 minutes in. I'm really excited about what's going to come from this. I'm here for you, Derek. <laughs> yeah, and then surprisingly, we've got nothing from Gabe yet. It'd be probably because I won't shut up. No, dude. Uh, I got wild dogs over here today, so I'm trying to keep it. <laughs> As minimal barking as possible. 
Yeah, that makes sense. But while they are being quiet, I do have a question. I want to go back to where you were talking about uh, coming up through the ranks. And I know a lot of people, once they make it to a certain position to where they don't get to do what they normally did, like fight the fires or go on the calls, you're more of a, like an office person slash politician now at this point. How hard was it to let go of the firefighter and become the fire chief? Well, you know, at the time it didn't seem all that terrible. Uh, I thought, oh, this is going to be pretty easy. I've, I've been fortunate. I've, I'm, I've got this huge opportunity in front of me that I never thought I'd have. Um, I don't want to convolute this, but I'm a, I'm a dirty north side kid. Uh, I grew up on <laughs> the north side of town, and, and the north siders were really the scourge of the, of the community. You know, we were on the wrong side of the railroad tracks, and we were trouble. And, you know, so here I am making good, making something of myself. And um, I, there was some satisfaction in that right away. Um, in fact, at the time, our police chief, I grew up a block from, same thing, Dirty North Sider made it to police chief. You know, there, there's a few of us out there that do make something of ourselves. But but it was, I don't think it was until I'd been in the position for several months that, and I started to realize, and, and I had a chief that did his best to prepare me for, for what was to come. Um, the one thing he told me right from the get-go before, I took the position. He said, if you are the type of person that expects things change and, and expects return on your investment immediately, uh, don't, don't do this because you're going to be miserable because nothing at, in, in city government or any type of government, especially in these positions, happens quickly. It may be six, seven, eight years before you see the return on something you started. And those were powerful words. And, and I've, I've, I've experienced that on, on a lot of levels. Um, but it, it, it was back to, I missed being on shift. I missed getting out there and uh, going into house fires and car accidents. And I, I always kind of thrived on that, uh, that stuff getting dirty and getting hot and uh, blood and guts never bothered me and puke puke on me i don't care that's part of the day it's fun that's what kind of that's kind of what kept me fueled uh but you know as as i i've been in my position as chief now for for nine years and i guess the thing that i what i had to figure out for myself was as long as I'm providing what our firefighters need, do they have the equipment they need? Do they have the tools? Do they have the knowledge, the training? If I'm providing all that, it's a it's a win and I can feel good. It's just in a different way. It isn't so much an adrenaline rush, but it's, a, I guess, in some fashion it is for me because, hey, you're doing what you need. You're providing with what they need. And as long as you're doing that, uh, you're doing what you need to be doing. If they were lacking for things, I'd be concerned uh, that I'm not doing my job. But uh, 
you said something about you know the politicking. That's that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, I didn't realize exactly how much politicking there is, and and I'm in a position that I'm at City Hall a great deal, and and it's just part of the gig. But I've I've done I think one thing I've been true to myself is I've never allowed the politicking to get in the way of doing the right thing, even even when it's going to be difficult. You, you've got to decide. You've got to draw a line in the sand that, hey, end of the day, maybe that's the easy way. Maybe, maybe that's the, the way everybody else would do it. But is it really going to accomplish what you want? Uh, are, are, are we going to see the return on, on that investment uh, if we take the easy way? Or do we, do we take some bumps along the way? Be willing to learn from those bumps readdress those things that maybe we we didn't do as well as we wanted to and and then you just you know again i i can't say it enough guys i just i believe i, I can't stand people but i love them. <laughs> I love them to death and i, <laughs> and I want nothing more than for them to succeed it, it's just it's fun to see others succeed and to see that look when they it strikes and that hey i did that or Man, I was part of that. That man, the return on that is—it's incredible what it does for you, which just in turn wants me to do more. So yeah, it's—I'm a winner, no matter what. You know, yeah, I, I, it's just a win thing for me. I also hate people and love people at the same time, so I get that, uh, and that's a I mean, apparently genetic. So I'll get back to that here in a second. Uh, first and foremost, just so the listeners know. He's a dirty Northsider, but we don't live in Compton, so it really doesn't mean as much as you think. So uh, <laughs> he didn't grow up in the hood. He's not like flashing gang signs and like, you know, breaking windows out of cars with uh, guns and stuff. He's just, it was in, in, in our town of 25,000. It has been since God. Yeah, a long time. Since, for a long time. So it, it's, that's what it is. Uh, you had the north side, you had the south side, and really, it really hasn't changed. Eh? Uh, they're trying yeah. to change that, <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, yeah, but it was it was uh, you had the socioeconomic uh, thing side of things where it was like you, the quote unquote poor's lived on the north side and the rich folk live on the south side, and the it, it's a whole stupid dynamic and it makes no sense. Just like it doesn't make any sense anywhere, but. Uh, that being said, I'll move on from that. Uh, back to the family side of things that I was going to get into. Uh, with you were talking about how the puke didn't bug, bug you and none of that stuff bugged you, and you love the fire and you like doing the dirty stuff. And I don't think it was so much the dirty stuff, and you kind of leaned into it a little bit yourself. Was that it was the adrenaline? We are mm -hmm. adrenaline junkies, and I think that is ingrained in our DNA and it's something that I vaguely thought of a little bit and we'll kind of start diving into this your story in life growing up and we'll start diving into the PTSD stuff as well but um, as I was going through my own journey with PTSD and talking to doctors and counselors and all this stuff she says you're an adrenaline junkie I said 
Well, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. She says, you like, you have to have high stakes, and that's what you function off of. And it's something that I know I function off of. I know Ryan functions that way. I know Justin functions that way. We all function that way. And we mm-hmm. all kind of got these developmental traits where we like high stakes. We like having to do things that are inherently risky. And, you know, you as well have that very same trait. So let's just dive into your story when, like, your childhood, where things started growing up. Um, Grandpa Thompson was in the Army. He did crazy things. Because he was a paraglider in the army in World War II. So, mm-hmm. you know, he would glide over enemy lines and land silently to, no F, up the, to F up Nazis and Japs, you know? Like, that's what yeah. he did. That's, that's cool shit. And no real way out. You just told yeah. you got in. Well, yeah, how cool is that? And then Uncle Terry, you know, he, he was in Vietnam. Like, it's just... There's so many things like our family is inherently involved in risk and diving into that stuff. So, yeah, I, shoot you know, I, TJ. I, all right. So I got to call bullshit on what you were saying a while ago with uh, that he's not, you know, out gang banging and flesh gang signs. And it sounds like y'all are a bunch of <laughs> y'all are some gangster motherfuckers to me. Is what it sounds like. So. The one you know, human being <laughs> from Oklahoma that probably trust me. be. <laughs> he knows as much about gangs as we do. <laughs> so, thug Nasty. I'm just saying. Sorry. Thug carry Nasty on. Thompson. That's uh, it. I'm going to start calling you that. <laughs> OG Thug Can we Nasty. Put that over yeah, your I've, always, I've always had a, I guess I've always had a adrenaline Fueled by adrenaline to a point. I mean, I'll, I'll run into a burning building in a minute for you. I, I do a lot of things for you. I don't like roller coasters. Don't put me on a freaking roller coaster. Don't put me on one of them things that swings you around in the air. Screw that. you got to be crazy. That's because we have no equilibrium. That's not a, that's, that has nothing to do with, a, uh, with adrenaline. We just have terrible, terrible equilibriums and we'll throw up. Yeah, blow me up, but don't put me on the roller coaster. I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, anyway, I digress. Yeah, but... <laughs> so, do you want to go to Six Flags? No, no. <laughs> fly over it. Oh, right? dude, so if we, if we set this all up to meet at Six Flags, you ain't going to come? That's bullshit. Uh, we'll go, no, we'll go to Disneyland, and we I'll will go... I'll fire. Yeah, so we'll go to Disney. We'll go to Disneyland like and uh, just eat the turkey legs. Yeah. I'll sit and watch you all day. I still puke. Yeah, I'm real good at watching. I can watch all day. I'll probably throw up, too. My equilibrium's that bad, so is his. That's where I get it from, it turns out. Uh, but, yeah. but, yeah. Uh, good. Like my equilibrium that I uh, got from my father, let's hear his story and... Uh, how he kind of like got into this whole thing. Like what, what got you there? Like what struggles did you have? What struggles do you carry today from that? Um, because I oh, carry, yeah. I carry my terry terrible equilibrium and my, my struggle, my own struggles. Uh, like you carried your own struggles. You know, I, 
I guess growing up, I, I had a pretty, pretty, I guess, well, it wasn't normal childhood by any means. I was the youngest uh, of all my brothers, and, and, and I was kind of late in life for my mom and dad. But uh, How many brothers? Loved me. Huh? How many brothers? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Doug, Terry, Wayne, <laughs> or four older brothers. We're here to uh, ask the hard questions. Older. These are those hard questions we were asking. Yeah, much all older, of them. In fact, so I was. Yeah, I had all the brothers and sisters. By the time I came along, they were all long gone from home, you know, and and uh, so, but I but I I never wanted for anything. My dad uh, worked for the post office uh, for years and years and years. Uh, my mother was a home homemaker. She never worked outside the home. She never even drove a car. Never even had a driver's license. Well, she. Well, it, hold on. Just, didn't didn't they own a uh, like? A, well, what do you want to call that? When my mom and dad first got married, they lived in Anselmo, Nebraska, and uh, they had a they had a little restaurant uh, that they had over there, and. Uh, yeah, like a kind of like a quick stop kind of deal, like uh, yeah, yeah. It was the perce- convenience yeah, store. That's what that's the word I'm thinking of, right? What we think of today, yeah. So, uh, but salt of the earth people, um, they just uh, they work. My mom, being at home, she she worked hard. She provided uh, a safe place for us. She, you know, we never wanted for anything. Uh, Unlike what we see today, where where so many both parents are out working to just try and make ends meet, so I, I grew up uh, probably a bit sheltered compared to a lot of people. And uh, as I sometimes I think maybe a little too sheltered. I think I was maybe they tried to protect me from uh, some things that probably would have helped me maybe later in life and, and oh and i i don't uh, even know about that because you'll get into it you know well yeah you, I mean, you I, had I, a I lot of think, stuff that that happened yeah uh, but so as i when i was when i was uh my dad died when i was 13 um he'd, he'd had brain cancer uh he'd had a tumor the size of a softball removed uh from the back of his his head uh, chemo radiation back in the day that you yeah, know was pretty you know, probably know pretty useless. I don't know that it's pleasant now, but far more so than what it was back in seventy six, seventy seven. Um, my dad was a big man, uh, just just a you know hard working. Uh, nothing nothing got under his skin. He he was nose to the grindstone. And, and so when he got, when he was diagnosed with, with brain cancer, um, for me, it didn't mean that much. I, I mean, at that time, I'm 11, 11 and a half. That's cancer. That doesn't mean nothing to me. Here's how sheltered I am, though. Uh, I don't know that I ever heard the word cancer until my dad had it. I don't know and, if that's sheltered at that time, though. I think, well, that's, I think that was probably pretty common that I think it probably got ignored a lot of the time back then. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, we just, life life went on. And and then uh, my dad, it, it, it came back. Uh, we knew it was a malignant tumor, but it came back. 
uh, he made the decision, I'm not going through another uh, chemo and radiation and all that. I'm not doing that. It's just not, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say that it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't pleasant. But I think for him, he had to make a decision that uh, what's what's going to be my my life, uh, what what quality that, of life versus quantity. Life I have if I continue doing this. So so I lost him when I was thirteen, and, and I'll tell you that was that was a game changer for me. Um, all of a sudden, uh, I was miserable. I was miserable beyond imagination in my mind and I wanted to make sure that everybody around me was just as miserable so at 13 14 years of age I'm 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 maintaining uh, you know I'm, I'm not acting out a lot yet but but as I get to 15 16 years old I am I am angry that I don't have my dad uh, what have I missed and, and I start to hang out with, with an older crowd, uh, dirty North Siders. And, but, but I start hanging out with a much older crowd. Uh, I, I'm, I'm 15, 16, and I'm hanging out with people in their 20s. Um, I'm, I'm going out and, and partying with these people, uh, hard partying, and, and carrying on like none other. And in all this time, I'm 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 hurting the that I'm the most important person in my life. My mother is at home, uh, wondering what I'm not doing. I'm causing her more grief than she's, you know, deserved. And um, so I, I just I went on a terror and spent a number of years uh, when I'm I hadn't had my driver's license for very long. I went to a I went to a party uh, at, a, at a home here in town, went to school with a girl. Her dad was the head of the FBI here. Her parents were out of town for a weekend. We had a party at her house. Um, we partied from sunup till sundown and beyond. I left that party on the way home, and uh, I, had a, I had a 69 Chevy pickup. Had headers that hung way down low underneath my truck, and I... Uh, I was about three blocks from where the actual crossing was to get across the railroad tracks and tried to make a crossing of my own. I got hung up on the tracks. I was in, I was in such terrible shape, I didn't even know. I mean, I, I come to rest on the railroad tracks. Here's, God was looking out for me early on in life. Where I, where I ended up parked on them tracks happened to be at a position that it, it triggered the crossing arms three blocks east to start bouncing up and down. Somebody called the railroad and said, there's something wrong with your crossing arms. They sent out a, a railroad detective that finds me. They call the cops. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting drug out of a pickup uh, and, and hauled, hauled to the clink uh, at, at 17, 18 years of age drunk out of my gourd and just being an idiot. Um, but again, by the good grace of God, I made it out of that and went through, I got, you know, probation and all that crap. 
um, didn't slow me down. Before uh, you get too far, I just wanted to uh, bring up one thing. Was that so? I mean, this is obviously after your brother died. Yeah, I, I lost uh, an older brother when he was thirteen. Uh, he drowned at a Boy Scout outing here, here in a lake here in, in North Platte. Uh, so I never, I never knew him. Uh, I was, you know, he, I was born in 63. He drowned in 65. So any, any memory I have of him is, I'm sure, I'm sure I saw him, but I, I but just it doesn't make it irrelevant. You know but what it, I mean? Yeah. It, it's really like, for me that never, I don't think that, I suppose somewhere along the line, it played a role in, in my I've always, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I've always had this fear of loss. Uh, and, it, and it came from losing my dad. Uh, it just seemed like people I was close to seemed to die. Uh, and that's, that may sound silly to some. Um, and I'm always careful because it's easy for us to judge people and say, oh, they just, they don't know. That's just how they feel. Well, that's exactly right. It, it may not be what we perceive, but it's how they're feeling. It's how somebody else is feeling. So I'm always careful not to get too far ahead of myself and start judging people for how they're feeling. Because to them, whatever it is, is real. Whether it is or not, it is to them. So, so I think we have to be really careful uh, that we recognize that and, and that we, we, we tread lightly when we start giving people the, the, the eye about, oh, are you crazy? No, that's an experience for them. That's a feeling they have and, and respect it because yeah. you don't know. We yeah, to be fair, it. the only people I think I judge like that are the ones that I see. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess, yeah. I, I guess, I, guess exactly. I saw. I guess I saw one in front of the fire department in North Platte, but uh, yeah, you know the people that are very obviously on the hallucinogenics and they're just talking to themselves oh. and fighting themselves. I've seen that a few times now, and I had to tell my daughter, I was like, "This is why drugs are bad." Okay. You yeah. know, I was like, they're yeah, trying to fight themselves. You can't. You can't beat yourself. I promise you that. This is the one thing I will tell you on this podcast. You cannot beat yourself in a fight. Even if you want to. Well, I guess, never mind. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Uh, if you if you uh, kill yourself, you probably win your fight, I guess. I guess, I guess that's... Uh, Good day. Yeah, Good so, day. so don't do that. Uh, this will be my moment in the podcast to say, if you're feeling down reach out to somebody and make sure you reach out to somebody so yeah you can beat yourself in a fight but nine times out of ten if you're on drugs you're not going to beat yourself in a fight yeah and i'll tell you you know that was that was the thing from an early age uh i, I was surrounded by alcohol um and i i don't want it to sound like you know my mom and dad weren't big drinkers they had they'd have friends over uh my dad would have have a drink when friends were over. Um, it wasn't it wasn't readily available to me in the house. But as I got older, in my teen years, uh, I had I had two uncles that lived right down the street from me on the same block, 
that, that kind of looked out for me and uh, gave me some liberties that probably my mother would have just assumed they hadn't. Uh, so, so all of a sudden, beer and anything else I wanted was pretty well available, and I could sit God. on the front porch with with these old guys and and drink and carry on and act like a idiot. And, ah, you fucking you know, bangers on the north side. Yeah, yeah, it's just what <laughs> we did. And so, so I and and I'm I'm the type of person I've got a real I guess addictive personality. Pretty easy for me to get if I like if I find, get get a hold of something I like. I'm probably going to push it to to the excess and just see how far I can push it. And I, I did that. Uh, I did that with alcohol. Um, and and I'll tell you, it on more than one occasion nearly killed me. And and again, all those things. And yet here I am today in a position I'm in. Uh, People do overcome. People, yeah, people figure things out for themselves sometimes, and hopefully they do it before they hit rock bottom. Um, I've, I, I've probably hit rock bottom 20 times in my life uh, thinking I had it bad, when actually I've never had it bad. I just, I just made some real, real bad decisions. So uh, your your story, I think, where we left off because I just side sidetracked this whole thing. Uh, you were on the railroad tracks, or wait, yeah, where were we? Where the hell were uh, we? Yeah, so I'm, I'm so on the hall end, and I've got all kinds of family that's been in law enforcement. Um, I never got thrown in jail for that. My my uncle was a dispatcher uh, at, the, at the time, and he come in and got me and brought me home, and you know I. Uh, Got my lashes. Uh, I, I had a, a, a couple brothers. Well, all my brothers still lived here, and uh, you know they they let me know in no uncertain terms that this was unacceptable and uh, it broke my mother's heart. And so, but but I didn't learn anything from it because I'm right back out as soon as I'm off probation. I'm right back out doing the same stuff again with the same people. Um, and and just pushing the envelope again i'm miserable you're going to be miserable that was kind of my the way i lived my life for a long time through my teenage years and into my 20s i just i was miserable and i couldn't i i hadn't ever gotten over losing my dad um and it and it affected me deeper than i had any clue and it's not until However many years ago, you and I and Justin went out to Flatirons uh, for that retreat where we just bared our souls that I really, for the first time, at, at, at that time, I'm 50, 55 years old, first time I really dealt with losing my dad um, amongst in, in, in front of men that I didn't know anything about, but finally got to the root of it for the most part um, and and started figuring out ways to deal with it. Um, now, you never get over it. I don't care how you say you do, but you don't. You don't get over losing a parent or a child or, you know, maybe it, maybe it becomes distant, but it never goes away. So I'll always have those 
wondering what might have been thoughts. Um, but I, I try I try my best anymore to don't worry about what might have been. Worry about what's going to be and how you're going to make that a good thing for, for everybody in your life now. Uh, right. So that, so we don't get wrapped up in what, uh, sorry I did that. You know what? It's behind us. Put behind behind and live in today for tomorrow and, and you know, we'll, we'll see some, some good things happen. But, but anyway, I, I just continued down that path. Uh, I met, I met your mother, uh, in, in high school. Um, her, her mother worked at a, uh, alcohol center here in North Platte that I ended up going to for classes because of my DUI. And this is super and, ironic. Let, let me tell you, her mother wasn't <laughs> too impressed when she brought me home as, as a date one night, but, um, we, we managed, we, you know, we, we managed to get through it. Um, 39 years we've been married now. And, uh, Hey, this is a fun home. story. This is a fun story. Then you're, you're talking about your high school years with mom. You smoked a lot of Mary Juana. I knew people that did. So that, yeah, you knew a lot of people that smoked Mary Juana. I know somebody on the podcast that smokes a lot of Mary Juana now recently. No, no, no. Oh, wait, no, they don't. No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my bad. Uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I know somebody on this podcast who's, br- uh, what, brother-in-law? Smokes a lot of Mary Juana? That's right. It might actually be, well, and you've seen, you've gotten to see this now, uh, and since we're a PTSD podcast, kind of, uh, we try to be anyway, uh, and medical marijuana is a great thing, uh, I think for a lot of people, I, we've actually started listening, I started listening to a lot of stuff about it today, uh, and I just have to ring this in here to foreshadow future episodes. Um, there's a lot of good medical benefits to it, and I hope people realize that you don't have to be on opioids. There's other alternatives to that. So, I just wanted to throw that out there uh, to foreshadow future episodes. If anybody wants to know, we'll be coming down the pipeline. Um, and mainly, I just wanted to make somebody else uncomfortable. But uh, anyway. We'll go back to what we were talking about, which was, you met mom and things were great. Thirty nine oh, years later, she saved my life. I mean, she really did. Um, incredible that high school sweetheart thing, and you know, it's all mushy and crap and, and all, and it's what it was though. And and she, but and it didn't it didn't mean that I still didn't go out and do things I shouldn't be doing because I did um, but but she was the one the one thing in my life that all of a sudden was was stable uh, she had a she had uh, plans uh, I didn't know anybody that had plans for the future uh, I didn't hang out with that kind of people but she had big plans and she had direction in her life and and uh, some of that started rubbing off on me, and you know, uh, being being promiscuous and like I am, and all, uh, she ends up pregnant, 
we have a we have our first our first child uh, when we're still children. You know, when you think about it, teenagers, we barely know how to take care of ourselves, and now we've got a baby. Um, yeah. And and so you know, you do a lot of growing up. Uh, me, probably not as much as I should have, because I continued to, you know, leave work, go out, party, come home late at night, middle of the night. She's home with a baby. Uh, this went on, you know, for a number of years, and uh, and she never gave up on me. She always saw something in me that I never, I didn't even see in me. I think she was just waiting for her own chance to get high, and she's yeah. now. <laughs> Can talk her into it. Yeah, uh, couldn't talk her into it, but now she's there. We've we've, we've hit, you know. But who life's knows? come full circle. She yeah. may she may be a great person, but obviously she's made at least one mistake. Yeah, you're looking at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she made four of them actually. You know, you know, <laughs> What I just said about, you know, she had faith in me when I didn't even have faith in me. There's something in that, I I think, for all of us, because, and I'm not here to tell you how to think or what to believe. Uh, Faith faith is huge to me, and the older I get, the bigger it becomes in my life. I I, I believe in God, you know, and I... I don't care what anybody else thinks. That's their business. I'm going to take my chances that that story is true because I want to go where what he's promising is, is available. But we, we sometimes when we don't have faith in ourselves, we get bunched up and, and thinking, what, what have I, what's my purpose? What am I even here for? Even if you don't have faith in yourself, know this. Somebody has faith in you. And they're counting on you. And no matter how bad you feel about yourself and your the shape you're in or the position you're in, there is somebody, whether it's your wife or kids or whoever it is, somebody believes in you, has faith in you, and is counting on you to deliver. And and if for no other reason, that's why we've got to go on. That's why we've got to figure out what do we have to do uh, I get sick of here and pull up your bootstraps and no, it's not about pulling up your bootstraps. Yeah, sometimes it, you got to pull up your stilettos. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> I, we just have to. We just have to be willing to look in the mirror once in a while, and it ain't always pretty, is it? But but we have to. And and yeah, I've I've had I've suffered with depression my entire life. I didn't know that. I've been depressed since my dad died. And I've been on medications. I've tried to get off of medications thinking oh, I got this licked. And Jesus, next thing I know, I'm crabby and I'm acting out. And, um, but but when, you, when I finally admitted, yeah, I do have a problem. Uh, I am depressed. I do need something to keep me balanced because I can't do it on my own. And that's okay. You know, nobody should, there should be no shame in that. You know, let's let's face our demons and let's not be afraid to talk about our demons to people. Let's, you know, let's not, 
let's not be judgmental. If they want to judge us, let them. Exactly. You know what? It's our demon. And and I would hope that we're going to be better uh, people and say, you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, but uh, it's real to me. Again, it it may be a perception to some, but it's real for the person living with it. And we've got to respect that. Uh, for there to be any healing. Yeah, you get a lot of unique uh, perspective on this, uh, but with, you know, like you just said, it may not seem real to everyone else, but it is real to the person. But uh, that being said, I just, I, I have to ask you, do you, would you say you have PTSD? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I would have never... I, I guess I never looked at it that way for, for a long time. But but the more I, I learn about PTSD and, you know, I don't know that there's anybody out there that doesn't have some PTSD. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, just from living day to day life. Yeah, you had the chance to read that book, right? That have happened in their lives. Just today's living. Yeah, incredible. you had the chance to uh, read Nick Wingo's book right yeah yeah and and he says in that book and he pulls up the stats that like seven out of ten or seventy percent of firefighters have ptsd in some form so it's um i i just i always kind of wanted to i always i never really labeled it because i i didn't know that much about it until i had it or found out i had it uh gabe has it tj has it i mean i think it's pretty easy to sit there and kind of breeze over it. I've always, mm-hmm. once I found out I had it, the more I thought about it, and like you had said, we went to Crucible, we had to delve everything out there. I mean, we put everything on the line. Oh. I was like, oh, he's totally got PTSD, but I was so focused in just like letting you heal and figure out things by yourself i i i I haven't ever asked since then so i have wanted to ask and just see if you know maybe perspectives changed absolutely and 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 they have to because if i don't if i don't recognize that i have it it's 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 going to be pretty hard for me uh to to make that and i'm not one, I'm not a, I can't diagnose, but, <laughs> but I can certainly recognize uh, that in, in our firefighters and you see it. And yeah, and yeah I'd better be willing to own up to it myself because uh, there's, I've seen things that I care not to remember. Again, I'm, I kind of go back to, I, I don't care if you've never suffered some huge epic, event that created this PTSD for you. I'm, I'm just looking at the, the average Joe walking down the street dealing with life today probably has some form of PTSD mild or, you know, whatever. But if they don't, if they don't start finding some healthy ways of, of reining it in, it's going to become huge, uh, in their lives. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's out there, and, and I'm absolutely, I suffer from it. That's what I like to hear. I uh, just, yeah, there's no, again, there's no shame in that. 
And what you guys are doing is putting the word out. Hey, this isn't anything. We're not alone in this, man. That's what we're here it's, for. It's, it's all around us. We, we owe it to each other to, to be looking out for one another. Yeah. Well, I mean, it starts with us. And it starts it with you guys. So, everyone. Yeah. And I think I think TJ or Gabe has something to say because they're oddly quiet in this particular episode. I'm not used to it. I've been soaking in all of this marvelous conversation. I was a sponge today instead of a voice. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty good at just running my mouth. I, I really do. I always enjoy talking. Um, I'm going to let that go, dude. I'm yeah, just that's let fair it enough. Go. Uh, TJ, do you have any uh, further questions with, or with my dad's story or uh, anything with the PTSD and how, you know, he's in a different career and he's in a different spot now and he's got a lot more time and period uh, in dealing with this stuff and he hasn't really, I mean, I think... We're now in a time where PTSD is being recognized. Mental health is being recognized now. Things are changing. So, in I think in, you, in my dad's time, coming up, mental health wasn't that big. I think it was always the suck it up, quit being a pussy kind of mentality. So, how do you go from being in that mentality to dealing with like, oh shit. This is a mental health issue. This is something that is an actual health problem. Crisis. It's not just, you know, yeah, it, it's, it is. It's a crisis, you know, and we've been treating everything with opioids and stuff for so long. And we've just been not really treating the issues ever. How do you go from sitting there being in the position where, you know, it was just suck it up, quit being a bitch to now where it's like hey we recognize that yeah there was something there there was something legitimately there I think it starts with us you know as a whole you know as, as a people you know just we have to make a change we have to be the change you know what I'm saying like it, there is that, that old school mentality like quit being a little bitch you know you just fucking suck it up which is a really big deal. That's what I've always kind of, that's just how I've been, you know, but. Yeah, I sucked you, at that. You, I was asking you, if you had a question about it, and then I led myself into a question, so I apologize. No, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, he's he's, he's got a lot of great points. Uh, I really love your perspective of leadership, you know, in general. Like, I, I think you nailed that on the head. It's not they work for you, they work with you, you know, and you have to surround yourself with the right people and if you if you are with the right people then they will help push you to make you a better person and make you a better leader overall you know yeah. since we were started this off talking about leadership absolutely but you know um i i have to agree with everything that you've said so far you know what i mean like i, I think you've got a lot of great points and i'm really glad that that you came on this show to, to share your perspective. Yeah. And I guess that was what I was trying to get at is, is our, well, and I, and I just ended up asking my own question. Uh, what did you find, uh, from 
going from that be tough mentality to the new mentality where we're trying to change things and in how do we how would it be best for us to sit there and change the way that things be are being looked at because even for us we were kind of on the rear end of that where it was like you don't have to be tough you need to have emotions you need to accept these things you need to learn to talk about everything and you need to like what have you gotten from it? What are you learning from it? What's your question? <laughs> what What are you... Who, who yeah. are you asking? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, anyone at this point that will answer. Yeah, no. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I lost myself as well because I was trying to say, get somebody else to ask a question. And then I was like, oh, no, I do have a question. Um. Going from the mentality that you need to suck it up and everyone telling you, like, like you kind of made reference to it to yourself where you were like, you know, I had a sheltered life. You really didn't. I mean, there's a lot to it. So now we're sitting here in a world that's saying, let's start opening up about things. What did you learn or what... How have you learned to deal with it going from be closed to be open? Like, what's... I yeah, I, I, you know, I got to tell you, let me let me I'll digress a little bit here to, to what was said about we're, we're seeing more and more uh, and, and learning more and more about uh, PTSD and, and different mental health conditions. It's becoming more prominent. I still, I still believe there's a stigma attached to it that shouldn't be there. Um, certainly, though, uh, the, the recent wars that we've we've experienced as a country, you guys were part of these. We're seeing those those service personnel coming back with with injuries, mental injuries, uh, like we've never seen before, and. We're doing a poor job of dealing with it, quite frankly. Uh, the system's broken, and it's it's driven not by what's best for the individual, but what's going to be the easiest for us as a government to sell and make them feel like we're taking care of them. That that may offend people, but but I'm I'm here to offend you then because that's what's happening. Our are folks that are out there giving everything they've got every day uh, are not getting the care they need. Uh, and when they are getting care, it's delayed care. And it's become, you've said it over and over again, you know, we've become a society that's prescribed a pill to fix everything. It's not going to fix everything. Uh, we have to, I guess for me, it's to, again, humble myself, realize I can't fix any of it. I, I don't have it in me. Uh, I've got to open myself up and say, hey, this is beyond me. And this is where my faith in God has become so strong. I can't fix any of this on my own. I'm not, none of us are, are equipped to, to fix it as much as we like to think we are. We like to think we're fixers as men. But, but quite frankly, we can barely tie our shoes. 
And, you know, and even then we're probably asking somebody if we're doing it right. We've become so conditioned in this country, in this world, to doing as, as somebody else tells us to do because they, they know better. We, we forgot how to think for ourselves. And we got to start thinking for ourselves. I look, I look at what my inability to, to admit some things to myself, I look at what that did to my family what it you know uh what it put them through uh some of the things my my drinking and carrying on and the way i speak to you know my son's mother in front of them or trigger and all these things was coming from somewhere i didn't realize but it was coming from within me i just didn't know how what was driving it until all these years later so, so when you finally start up saying, you face up to yourself and say, ah, the answer isn't to be a big, tough, macho guy. It's to humble yourself. It's to be vulnerable uh, and accept that maybe, maybe there's a problem. And just maybe there's, there's somebody that can help you with that. There, maybe there's a way outside of... Going, going to the bar every night or doing whatever. I spent a lot of time in the gym. That's how I dealt with it. Not always healthy because that just made me even more, to this day, going to the gym just drives me more and makes me more. It doesn't wear me out. It gives me more energy. Hey, yeah, but, but God damn it, you look good. But, well, yeah, I know I do. That's just, that's just, <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. yeah humble ourselves and 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 not be afraid to say I got some problems I am broken forever forever broken I but but I know that about myself I know that every day it's gonna be a chore for me to stay positive throughout the day on my best day you know I still have to have I got to find something to encourage myself because it's tough out there. Don't kid yourselves. You know, we really we all is. got things, and we just gotta we gotta quit complicating everything. Get back to some simple, basic truths, uh, and do what's best for for us and our families. The rest of this will take care of itself. We can't change. I got a I've got a good good friend. Uh, Chief Dan Hudson, and I hope you get him on one day uh, to talk to tell you his story. But he he said he said to me uh, some time ago before he, before he left that he said you worry about what's going on in your house, the firehouse. You can't you can't worry about what's going on everywhere else in the city. That's not your problem. But that's how we tend to to operate. Because of who we are, how we're wired as men, we think we can fix everybody's problems. Deal with your problems, because you got plenty of them. <laughs> and uh, if you ever get them all figured out, maybe you can start working on someone else's. But let's let's work on us first. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah, all, that's all of that actually. Yeah, that's incredible insight. And I actually really enjoyed that you were actually able to answer my question, even though I couldn't 
even ask my own question. So I don't even job. know what I said. Yeah. Yet, so great, great job. That was incredible. Yeah. And you know, also think. great plug for our forever broken name. That was in, that was incredible. Uh, I know you don't have like social media or anything to plug. Uh, but, I hate it. Yeah, but on your behalf, your I will plug. I will plug the fire department for you. It's uh, so on the Facebook, and uh, I think that's as bad as good as you're gonna get. Uh, on Facebook, uh, they are the local 831 uh, IAFF. Uh, personally, I'm not a union guy. I think that unions suck ass. And they ask for too much. That's just my opinion. And uh, if your union uh, can't support itself, don't go flocking and asking people for things. But that's my yeah, that's opinion. That's a whole other... We could, we could spend... <laughs> yeah, we could go into that. <laughs> They had their place, but they have become. They, they've actually, again, not to get off on something here, but they have gotten in their own way. They really have. Yeah, I'm uh, off to a terrible start at plugging the uh, yeah, fire department yeah, here. But, uh, know, here again. All right, I suck know, ass at this, but the if you got hurt feelers, you got hurt feelers. Here again, yeah. we we need to we need to quit being white soul. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not soft. I'm not used to this. Yeah. So, yeah, but no, but seriously, uh, outside of their union duties, they are really good at helping the city, and amazing. they are really good people. I love them to death. Uh, they've done a great job. Maybe things have changed. Uh, local 831 IAFF chapter, uh, or I don't know what you want to call it, chapter, you, uh, whatever. Uh, they are on Facebook. They do a lot of great things. They really do. Um, I mean, they're out there helping citizens. and uh, I wouldn't so much attribute that to the union so much as I would the fire department. So the North Platte Fire Department also, I believe, has a Facebook, right? Yeah. Uh, that uh, the assistant chief, I think, runs. Pretty well manages. manages. Um, yeah, he's the guy. So hit up the North Platte Fire Department. Uh, it's North Platte, Nebraska. They they really do. I mean, and this is... Maybe this is a tradition, the pride thing coming out. Uh, it really is. It's some of the best paramedics and firefighters out there. I mean, you're not going to find any better. I mean, they are just incredible. So go ahead, find them on Facebook, like them. Uh, you can see what's going on in their community and see what they're doing for the community and see what you can do for you, your community. I think that's a great thing. Um, and I don't know. Yeah, you know what, guys? We're all, we're all service-driven. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's when we're at our best, in service to others. So, you know, even if you're like, like me and you don't like people, I, I love serving yeah, people. Too. And, and uh, uh, they, they bring me... They bring me joy that I, I don't even know because I just, it's incredible to me what's going on out there in the world. And, and I don't have to look far to realize how good I've got it uh, because I don't do without much of anything. And, and the main thing is I've got a family that loves me to no end and, and I love them. And, and that's, if, I don't need all this other stuff. We got each other. Uh, we've got each other. Uh, know that always. Um, I'm, I'm bound to you now. You're, you're, uh, 
you're stuck with me and, and I hope I'm stuck with you. So that's how we got to approach life together. Yeah, thankfully I am stuck with you no matter what. And you're, I'll be stuck no with your and I'll be stuck with your debt when you're dead. So I have that that's, to look forward to. I and I have, <laughs> I no have that to pass down to my kids. So life is good there. Uh that being it said, is. we always do a wrap up and we ask what we took from the episode. So I'll start I'll probably go I'll come to you last, Dad. Um Chief. Uh, I'm going to start with TJ. TJ, what did you take from the past hour and a half? Man, there's a there's a lot. There's a lot, honestly. Uh, I, I will say, though, I think my favorite thing that I heard tonight was uh, you always have somebody that is looking up to you and depending on you uh, in regards to you know you taking your own life. Uh, one of the biggest things to me, uh, it's, it's never easy, you know, when you have a friend that, that kills themselves, but it's always, to me personally, it's always a lot harder whenever it's somebody that has kids, you know, cause I, I got kids myself and, um, I mean, I know we all do on this show, but it just, man, that just hits different to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I just can't imagine it yeah. like for them. So, um, to me. I think just just think about that. You know, like you have kids and like they might just be a part of your life, but you are their life. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So just just think That's about it. that whenever you are uh, debating on whether or not you, you really want to pull the trigger. All right. That's a yeah, you know, it's exactly right. Uh, That's Gabe, real. Gabe, I know you are distracted by yourself, uh, but what is your takeaway from this episode? Uh, so I like, I'm going to go all the way back to when we first started talking and uh, somewhere when we first started talking, when you were talking about um, the things that kept you up at night were worrying and about like the the firefighters and and it wasn't anything about you or your job or the job you were doing that kept you up at night it was the worry for for your firefighters and uh i just want to touch on the fact that like there's not a lot of leadership out there outside of this the leadership in the service and like in the service and some sort of service that has that sort of thought process and mentality and uh, I just want to put it out there that, that the service world in that aspect is, is amazing to be a part of. And I think it's what a lot of us miss because I don't think um, myself or Derek has that anymore. It's a, it's a me, 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 me. What about me? What, what's my benefit? What's my gain? And... Um, it's like a dog eat dog world out there so we don't have that anymore and and then when you talk about giving credit to to the people who deserve it and where credit's due uh, i respect that in leadership and the reason being is the same reasons outside of service it is a dog eat dog world it is and it goes back to what you're saying is that you don't care that somebody's trying to come after your job and i think that's 
an amazing level of, of like leadership and and understanding what your role as a leader is. You know, like you don't take it as threatening, you take it as I, I would take it as a compliment and I think that's how you take it as well. Is that you're doing a job that other people want and you're seeing how much it's pushing them to do everything they can to be you. So like that's gotta that's also gotta like make you feel good about the job that you do. So those are the three things that stood out. Um that I really dialed in when we were talking about the leadership because I, I believe that your leadership style is is the type of leadership style that is the reason your firehouse is the way it is right and appreciate that that's awesome so after gabe i'll kick this one over to you chief on just your takeaway from the past hour and a half and getting to kind of tell your story and um answer our questions uh and then well, take it away. You know, I, I I've talked a lot, and and I don't like to hear myself talk. But that's the point. Of it's this. it's you know, again, another process, another healing process, a chance to verbalize some things that that may go through my mind a lot, but I just never say it. Uh, but getting to talk about it uh, and share it with you guys, and and just the fact that here's here's three guys young guys that that get it uh and and want to see some change in in the world and, and how how we're dealing with a, a serious serious issue uh you've taken steps to get out there and, and do something about it you know and, and i and here again i think back to what i said guys what my chief told me if you're expecting immediate return uh, just big things happening, you may be disappointed because it may take a while. But but know this: you're making a difference. Your your people are listening, and more people are picking up on it. So you may not you may not sense that you're doing much yet. You are, but I think you're going to see big benefits reaped. Uh, it may be a year, two years, three years down the road. There's, there's going to be change come from, from this very thing that you're doing. So, man, my hat's off to all of you uh, for putting yourselves out there because that's tough. That's tough. There ain't many people are willing. Yeah, and we appreciate it. I mean, more than you even understand. Uh, so I'll, I'll take a, my takeaway from this episode it's been fun because uh, I actually got to hear some stories I hadn't heard before from you. Uh, there's a lot of things that we got to dive into that I, I've always wanted to, and I, I'm just very thankful that I have the opportunity and I'm blessed enough to do that. Um, that being said, now's probably a bad time, but I'll just tell you now I'm pagan now. Uh, I believe in all the gods because. I don't want to miss the chance because if my if if God God isn't right, I got to make sure I correct myself by believing in all of them. So Ra, Odin, Thor. Uh, all right, that's not true. Uh, that uh, what's Allah? He can go piss piss in his own bed. 
I don't yeah, care. Fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that He's guy. He's a dick. I'm, yeah. I'm not yes. here to tell anybody what they have to do. <laughs> I know who uh, I believe in. And, and I'm yeah, gonna, no. I'm not I just figure I don't have to take my chance if I just believe in all of them except for Allah. I, I, I feel, I feel like you off. just came out of the closet to your father on the Yeah, air. I like, did. Yeah, well, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. No, I'm still in the closet. That's that's exactly where I am, actually. Yeah. Uh, I've got clothes over there. I've got clothes over there. It's pretty crazy. I've got a light stand there. It's pretty cool. But your uh, sound quality is, a, is outstanding now. <laughs> yeah, the sound quality is excellent in my closet, so... I've at least got that going for me. Uh, but no, I I had a blast. This has just been incredible. And, and my takeaway from this whole thing is that believe, believe that there's something there for you. Also, just make sure that you're happy enough with yourself to push forward and move on. I mean, and what I mean by that is we're going to be scared of what the future holds. So whether that's the chief's position, the assistant's chief position, if it's something we're not used to, we're going to be afraid of it. But you have to be willing to take that chance. We're going to have to take risk. And, you know, I'm not always happy with the risk I take, but I am happy that I was willing to take that chance. And I took that shot. So... That was kind of my takeaway from it. Uh, my dad got a very unique chance to, you know, keep where he is and and take the risk and gamble on it. It's paid off. It's paid dividends, and he's done a great job at it. He's got a very, I mean, that's what I expect from a leader, is somebody that believes in me as much as I believe in them, and I think that's what it needs to be. So I think it's incredible what you've done. Um I appreciate it. Here's the thing, guys. I, I, I guess at the end of the day for me, um, and I'm not trying to sound, this is going to sound cocky and all, but there, there, there is not much that I fear. Uh, I have a great deal of respect for a lot of things. I, I don't, I don't want to live in fear of them. I'll, I'll give due respect to those things that I need to and, and based on that respect, then hopefully I've alleviated the fear and I'm able to make good decisions to deal with whatever that thing is that's in front of us. That's what we have to do every day. Yeah. And I, that's another thing I get from you. I think there's a lot that we're supposed to be afraid of that I'm probably not afraid of. And, you know, there's obvious things I am afraid of, you know, and I, and I fear for my kids and I fear for sure. my family and absolutely that's that's pretty natural so it, it it's been great i mean this is what i live for at this point i mean i, I love this this is great yeah. getting to talk with people and share stories and that being said um i'm going to break into our call for action and that is hit us up we have we're on facebook we have a group the never broken society of misfits we are here if you guys need anything. If you want to just bullshit, if you are having a rough time, any one of us, and I'm sure even my dad, if you need something, if you ever need to talk, reach out to any of us. This is something I cannot stress enough. 
there is I don't want anybody to be a statistic statistic I said no you got that, it right? you got it okay I hate and don't don't be a fucking dick all right when someone yeah. when someone reaches out to you and they're like hey man like I'm, I've had a bad day you know like this and this is this has happened don't be like oh well you know fucking suck it up fucking listen yeah. to them man don't don't be a cocksucker just listen what the fuck they have to say <laughs> and be just be a good fucking person you know like yeah it's not hard so anyone in this group if you're not willing to sit there and listen leave i don't want you here we don't want you here i'm not i'm not here for the numbers i'm here for the community that's what we created this for so anyone out there if you're having a bad time if you're having a good time i mean i would love for people to share the good times yeah. i mean we like good times that's too what we need more of yeah we like more good, good than we know yeah you like good time i like good time everyone likes a good time so please reach out to us there uh there's we're on instagram we're on twitter we're uh, probably not as active as we should be i'm still learning how to use technology because i'm stupid um uh tiktok you can hit up tj what's your tiktok handle oh man it's just like joe mingo joe mingo too yeah joe mingo hit up joe mingo Hell uh, yeah. i'm i'm at something dt top 911 or something like that um we're there i mean we're on all the social medias uh eventually we'd like to get a discord and uh all that stuff uh, we're gonna build a community but the fact is we've got a community for you guys to reach out to please hit us up there uh the podcast like review uh five stars preferably if not give us honest feedback that's all we can ask for uh, my first i'm still waiting for the first one star review so that i can sit there and be like <laughs> yeah cuck uh but uh no uh five star reviews four star whatever i don't care give us what you give us give us an honest review uh, so we know what to work on because if you don't tell us what you want from us we can't fix it uh, if it's one person you know probably not gonna listen but if it's 12 people 14 people 100 people thousand people because we have millions of viewers well listen millions uh, millions billions even <clears throat> hit us up on facebook on the, on the never broken society of misfits and let us know what you want to hear on the podcast that way it gives us something to, to work on have i something. told you guys to hit us up on the never broken society of misfits yet not tonight oh yeah you should do that uh anyways uh, that being said, I do really appreciate you guys. Uh, keep listening. We will have more information out. Uh, the next episode, we plan on covering the Katami Abductors, um, which will be a fun episode. Uh, it's about uh, Chinese, or not Chinese, excuse me, not to be racist now. Everyone has to take a drink because I was racially insensitive. Great. Uh, Katami Abductors, it's Japanese piss uh it'll be a fun fun episode we're gonna dive into a lot of fun stuff on that it's 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 a really fun story uh let me tell you so tune in uh if you haven't 
check us out. Hit us up. We love you guys. I appreciate everything you guys do for us. Thank you so much. And tune in next week. So, yeah.